Hey, everybody, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. Welcome into another edition of Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. Good to have you along as we get ready to hit the air and go across the pond to London, England to meet the Oakland Raiders on Sunday. We'll have the pregame at 9, kickoff at noon on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM. Uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be in the night, though, in London where Buster Screen, our guest today on Bears All Access, Actually played in 2015. It's a great story. He's going to tell it right now. Buster, good to have you here, man. Good Thanks to see you. you. This is the second time on the show. We appreciate you giving up some of your time. That was the Jets and Dolphins, and your defensive coordinator, head coach, basically your defense coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Bowles, let you rip it. Let you rip it. <laughs> Tom, he blitzed him. He blitzed him nonstop. Tell the story. Um. Definitely the most I've ever blitzed in the game. I played cover zero eight plays in a row. Eight plays in a row. And uh, I ended up having, you know, four hit four hits on the quarterback and uh, five hurries. So, no sacks, but definitely <laughs> put a lot of pressure on him. So, I told him, hey, write, write some of these notes to Chuck Pagano. Send him his way because we both love him on the blitz. Because right. he, gets, <clears throat> he gets from one place to the next in a big darn hurry. A big over the pond blitzer. Yeah. Um, so, what was your routine the first time you went there? Did you? Because there's a lot being talked about. You go there for a week. You go there for three days. Uh, the last time the Bears went there successfully, they went there for the three day part. The six or seven times I've been over there, it's always been for a week. What do you like? Um, I agree with leaving um, when we're leaving on Thursday, and uh, I know on the way over there you should get your sleep, and even though you know the time is off six hours. And uh, when you do get there, it's important to stay up the whole day. Because when I went out there with the Jets, you know, you slept on the plane, you slept when you got there, and then we had tons of guys late for the meeting because they night. overslept. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely a good experience, and I think it's new to a, a whole bunch of guys on our team. But um, sleep is important. Are are you a sl- so during the week then don't include a London trip. Are you a sleep guy if you have free time or if you have free time are you kind of occupying your attention other ways? I'm definitely a sleep guy. I got two kids at the house. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> even if you don't want to sleep, like you're going to fall asleep from being tired. Yeah, and you know with the sleep thing, every guy is going to be different. Some people cannot sleep on a plane. Uh, I do every now and again. This guy, my partner here, there's no way. He's going to have to take something to help him go to sleep. So it is a tricky thing going over there because you got 53 guys, 46 active on game day. Some are not going to sleep. There's just, there's, they're not, it's, they're going to be thinking too much or they're going to be overthinking the whole thing. So you never know really on game day, especially in London. What's going to happen? Like, who's going to show up ready to go mentally, or are they rested enough, right? Yeah, um, you know, they're telling you, you know, drink cherry juice and things like that to help you sleep. But I cherry do feel juice. like we have a lot of gamers on our team. So even if guys didn't get enough enough sleep, I think we would play well. I mean, we will rise to the occasion. But it's definitely a tricky one. What's with the cherry juice? Like, what's in the cherry juice that uh, helps you sleep? I think melatonin. Really? That's like pickle juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pickle, pickle juice, juice for, for cramping. For cramping, right. right. So are you? Um, have you got seniority yet where you're a first-class seat guy, or are you still like a couple coaches? Um, <laughs> they sit me close to the front. Do they? Yeah. It depends on where we're going, though. 
Right. And a lot of our games haven't been that far. So, well, uh, you know, the thing about it is going to London, a nice airplane, if you have a first-class seat, I mean, it's easy to sleep in, in that situation. You know, but it's, you know, seniority rules in the NFL. So if you get years of service, you're closer to the door, you're in first class. If not, you might have two seats per yeah. per every guy. But, you know, when you see a guy that's six seven. You know, Cornelius Lucas stuffed into a couple coach seats. It still doesn't look comfortable. So that helps you How sleep. How do they do that when you guys played? Seniority yeah. towards first class. But um, there's a couple guys that are real superstitious about going to first class because it goes from coach to first class, and then your next seat is out the door. So <laughs> like Hampton and McMichael, they would never sit in their first class given seats because they were always superstitious about getting up there and being too close to the front door. Interesting. I could well, say one thing, though. Yeah. Went to Tennessee Chattanooga, play Oklahoma, 12-hour drive. So wherever I sit, I'm drive. Fine. Really? Wow. <laughs> they didn't fly you? No, nah, we drove didn't to Arkansas. We drove everywhere. Really? So I'm just, you know, grateful to be on the plane. Right. I mean, that's, right. A, that's a great experience in life, too, and how much you do appreciate walking into this facility and seeing all the – things that you have and i i, I kind of have this joke on the uh, uh the bus because i always i say people have you ever ridden a greyhound bus without a police escort you know because that's the way it is and you know you get escorted to the team plane because there's so many buses rolling at once and you know that's uh, you know a part of it from the 18-hour bus ride to play a game to now being escorted to the airport right i can't believe See, you're going in. Let me. I'm, I'm kind of wigged out by this. You're going to play the powerhouse Oklahoma. So you're already an underdog, mm-hmm. and then you, you got to come in on a 12-hour bus ride, uncomfortable, probably edgy, right. and in tight quarters. And you expect to go beat Oklahoma. Remember what happened in that game? Oh, uh, we got destroyed. Yeah, but I know the team got like a million dollars for going. So yeah, right. <laughs> it was definitely worth it. But you know, you're college kids. Then you're just part. You're, it's know, just a part of the man, fun. You know, that's not fun. I would think. <laughs> oh my goodness, Buster Screen, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Uh, are you uh, a sightseer at all? Yeah, I'm a sightseer. Like every game that we do go away, I like get out the hotel like ten minutes after we get there. And I try to see what the city, you know, has. Nice. So you'll be doing that in London a little bit, even though you've been there? Well, my girl used to work out there oh, for seven okay. years. So she's going to be out there, too. So she'll show me, nice. you know, the places to go to nice, and where nice. not to waste my time. Right, right. Don't hit all the tourist spots, right? Find the, find the interesting things right. that nobody knows about. <laughs> you know anything about the stadium? This is the first time a football game is being first played inside the stadium. NFL stadium. NFL helped uh, construct this or at least gave the advisement on it. Tottenham Stadium. Home of the Tottenham Hotspurs, I believe, is the name of the uh, the soccer team. If you're into uh, if you're into soccer, um, and follow that, uh, I'm not. So, uh, but I know a lot of people, you know, are interested in, in looking at that too, and maybe catching a game out there. A lot of Bears fans are going to this trip, and probably shouldn't shock anybody because Bear fans do travel. But yeah, the first time, and uh, it'll be interesting because it's a grass surface. It's a grass surface, but they put. Uh, field turf over it for this football game so you'll be playing on field turf but they take the grass surface well, out that's of stupid. there yeah isn't that, isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> that's that so but you know it's you're, you're gonna baptism it's a baptism so to speak uh, and that that will now get in the rotation for london you guys played in wembley bears mm-hmm. played there when tom and i uh, were broadcasting a game against the uh, tampa bay buccaneers that was in wembley and it is a different experience isn't it because 
there's jerseys from every team in the league. It's just not partisan. It's not all for the Raiders, although the Raiders probably travel well to their fans. But it'll be a, it, you know, explain what it's like in that stadium because it's it's a little different. Uh, you definitely see every jersey, and it's uh, current and old players. But I think people over there truly have, like, a passion for the game and uh, appreciate, you know, that two good teams are going over there playing and, uh, you know, just being able to bring their family and friends for the, the experience. And they make it more of a trip, too, you know, before mm-hmm. the, on the front end and on the back end. So, believe it or not, every single London game has been a sellout. Yeah, right. Every single game yeah, has right. been a sellout. He's I'm not, not a, a big He's not a believer. He's not, not a, a believer, Buster. So we could talk about this at <laughs> we'll, a different time. We'll go on the next segment. We'll talk about it. Buster <laughs> screen here. Let's break on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer with Paul Zerang, our engineer, and Dan Brilli, our producer. Thanks for listening, everybody. we got Buster Screen here, a second appearance on Bears All Access this season. Off to a really good start with a doggone good defense, man. This is some fun to watch. And I, I, I talked with Tom about this and Coach Nagy the other night. The appreciation for it in general, just all the talent. Yes, we can point to the superstars and Khalil Mack in particular and Nakeem and Eddie and all those guys. But as a group, you guys are all making a big, big impact. And it's a kind of a feeding frenzy, isn't it, out there? Uh, definitely a feeding frenzy. Um, everybody's making plays on every level. But one thing I can say about our defense, everybody runs to the ball. So even if the guy does mess up, you don't even know because the next guy's there to make the play. And uh, Floyd told me when I came in, it's hard to make a play on this team because everybody makes plays. And uh, he's been right about that. Are you, are you surprised about how many snaps you're playing? Because you're out there a lot, and it seems like – you know, the team, they know they're not – well, they haven't had a lot of success running the ball, so that puts them in the second long or third and long, and then, boom, you're inserted in the game. Are, are you happy about how many snaps you're playing? Are you surprised by how many snaps you're playing? Definitely happy about how many snaps I'm playing. Uh, you see a lot of these teams that we've been playing, though, some of their slots protect because, they're you know, they're spooked that we're going to get to the quarterback. <laughs> right, right. So uh, this is probably the most in my career that I've seen slots chip Khalil. Interesting. Before he goes. That's not going to stop. Still, he still gets the sack, so they might as well just run the route. Um, so the last two blitz, it was at the end of the Denver game where you got you blitzed twice, one from the far outside and once right from the on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell the differences in the cadence or the recognition of where you're lined up when you're going to blitz? Because out here, I don't think anybody knew that you – when I say out here when on the radio audience, mm-hmm. he's off to the far left but about second-level depth. The second one, you're up in the line of scrimmage. Can you tell the communication difference between when they know you're coming? Um, a lot of times in the game, I mean, Chuck calls it a great time. I don't think they know I'm coming. And um, I know those offensive linemen, they already have, you know – a great front seven in front of them, so they're not even thinking about me. So a lot of times when I do get a jump, I'm just trying to, you know, either read the play clock or listen to what the quarterback's saying and uh, just get a jump on them. So now that you saw what Kwiatkowski did to Dalvin Cook on a blitz, is that your know, next time they're bringing you and that the running back <laughs> recognizes you, that way you're going to bring it? Yeah, I guess I have to hit him with the fake juke and then run through him. Right. All 182 pounds. That was, a, <laughs> that was impressive, though, by, by Nick, the way, uh, you know, when Dalvin Cook kind of semi-set up and Nick had his way with him. 
Yeah, Nick, that he's actually my my locker, you know, mate. So me and him are locker mates. And uh, Nick has always been really good. He got a chance to, you know, step up this week and replace him with one of our guys. So uh, I was, you know, I was impressed. I haven't little seen puffy, him go crazy Was he like a little puffy yet. chest this week coming in or, you know? You he's know, a humble. He seems like a humble no, guy. he's super humble, but he's a baller for sure. Right. You know, that play, my job, obviously, as a play-by-play guy, is describe the play. But I was so – it was in my face. I'm watching <laughs> him blow up Dalvin Cook. And I, that's all I was – I wasn't focusing on the ball mm-hmm. in that rare moment. I became a fan. Like, <laughs> I love that play. I was literally stumbling over my words because he blew him up, just flat out blew him up. And, and he, he wasn't interested in blocking mm-hmm. him, let, let's just call it. Right. And a lot of guys aren't, you know. Mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, can you see that on a guy's face during a game or their mannerisms when you know they don't want to deal with it? Um, Dalvin Cook, he's actually like a physical guy, runs downhill, known for blocking in the backfield. But um, I definitely think as the game goes on, you can see, you know, guys, opponents, not as confident as they were. Definitely the quarterbacks. Like, we're playing the quarterback. He keeps getting hit. Now he make, he's making questionable decisions. So uh, I think as the game goes, our defense gets better, even though we did give up that touchdown at the end. But uh, I just feel like um, – we got we got a pretty scary defense. Yeah, I mean, how about this? Tom brought it up in the broadcast, and Delvin Cook was on record as saying he always tells his offensive line, "There's nothing that says we can't score a touchdown on the first play of the game." Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that says that Khalil Mack can't get a strip sack on the first snap of the second half right. and come out of there. You talk about you know wiping out your entire halftime plan with one pass rush and putting just ghosts in the guys' heads, tackles, chippers, whatever. At one point, there's one snap. There were four guys trying to block Khalil Mack, Mm -hmm. and it still didn't work. Yeah, Khalil, I mean, he's definitely a hard worker. And the first thing I remember when I came to this team, we were running gassers, and then Khalil's running with the DBs. I thought that was crazy, and he's beating some of the DBs. So uh, he's a hard worker. He deserves every bit of production he gets because he works for it. You know, when, do you know this defense well enough now that when you hear the huddle call that you can go to the line of scrimmage and know where the pressure is going to come from, whether it's going to come from Leonard Floyd, Akeem, those guys, that combination, or Khalil and whomever he's working with. Do you know the defense that well so that you can kind of keep a, an active eye on where you think the pressure is going to get to the quarterback? Yeah, I definitely know the defense very well. A lot of times those guys are athletic enough to drop, so it's important for me to know if they're dropping, if they're not dropping, just because when I get little quick routes across the formation, are they helping, are they not, are they going to chip them, are they not? And uh, just being nickel is kind of like a linebacker in the way, right. certain coverages and things like that, so I have to know exactly where it's coming from. Why is this de- this defense better um this week than they were week one. What's happened in the, that those three weeks, other than seeing reps? Um, I would say, yeah, seeing reps is important, and just us all playing together in the game. Like you got me and Haha, we're the only two new guys, but as the season's going on, we're all playing together as a group. We didn't play in the preseason, right? So I just feel like we'll just get better and better per game. What are the conversations like with Haha? Because you know he's on a one year. Obviously, he's trying to – it's a prove-it deal, you know. But this guy was a first-round pick, pro bowler, Green Bay, Washington, didn't want to keep him. Uh, but he must be having as much fun as you're having right now. Ha-Ha's definitely hungry. He gets here early, leaves late. Hmm. He does all the little things. And uh, he's one of those guys in the film room always calling stuff out. 
uh, giving tips and tendencies. So uh, he's he's bought all in. I know he had a lot of uh, teams that want him in free agency, but he wanted to be with the you know winning team and uh, just where he felt that he would fit comfortably. And he's been doing a good job. You're known as a smart player. Is it a smart secondary? Because it appears to be that's the case. Everybody's got an intuitiveness to them and a, and a mental approach that is as important as the physical attributes of all you guys. Yeah, the back end is really smart. Uh, Kyle and Eddie, those dudes. One thing about Eddie, he might be in the post, but he'll be the first one to tackle a slant because he knows what play is coming. Hmm. And he hasn't got a pick yet, but his time is coming. But uh, as a whole, Prince is, is very smart. The whole secondary it's to a level where you don't want to be that guy that's not knowing what's coming. So uh, that's one thing I do appreciate about them because I've gotten better. Because it's nice, too. Even when Deion Bush and the rest of the guys have been inserted into the games, if, you know, a, a, a safety's getting looked at or something, every everybody that comes in is prepared. A lot like the game this week that the message is after. Everybody who had to come in and play offense and defensive side of the ball, the assistant coaches had everybody, everybody prepared. And that, like I said, it seems the same for Deion Bush and those guys when they get a chance to uh, come in. Yeah, Deion Bush had a big preseason. Yeah. I mean, he came in, made a ton of plays, had a touchdown, two picks. But um, I just think it's, it's the culture. Like, nobody wants to let anybody down. But at the same time, there's no pressure. Like, coach always talks about thriving under pressure. I mean, being your best under pressure and knowing that you are the hunted now. And people know you're good, so – I think going into the game, we walk in there with a chip on our shoulders that it's not a one-year good team. Like, this team will be one of those good teams for a while. I know that we got to take a break, but after we come back, I, we need to talk about Club Dub a little bit because this is your first intro into Club Dub now for a couple of post-game celebrations. All right, we'll pick it up in a second. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Greeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 11.05 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Jeff and Tom with you, Paul Zerang and Dan Brilli, our producers, and Buster Screen, our guest. Tom wants to know something about Club Dub. What well, about no, I mean, so Jeff and I are the first two to interview Coach Nagy following the game, and Jeff talked about it. Club Dub getting ready to explode, and Jeff says that he wanted to be invited there, which I don't. I don't think. <laughs> no, no, any, no, no, no. I don't think, I don't any think of, that's how it went. I don't think any of us right. want to see it. It's it's on record. It's <laughs> on tape. So what? So your first, you know, the first time you see it, you, you, now you see what it's all about before and throughout the preseason. You read what it's about. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Of, what do you think of that? As an experienced guy and first timer. Yeah, this is my ninth year. Uh, First club dub I had was after the Broncos game, and everybody knows I jumped offside. So if anybody was, like, oh. super hyped in that club dub, it was me. <laughs> but, uh, it, oh, I mean, it's man. a good experience. Uh, the guys really enjoy it. Coach Nagy says all the time it's hard to get a win in this league. Right. So, like, enjoy club dub because not a lot of guys can do this, and I feel like the whole team buys in. Electric slide. Yeah, where, what happened with the le- – where'd that come from? That's old school. Yeah, Prince. He Prince. went up there and – turned it on. I mean, they had a new school song going, and then Prince just 
comes the DJ and puts a lacy slide on. You know, <laughs> I think more. There's some of these other teams are starting to do some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. This, but this will always be known. This is the first. This is where it started. But you know, when I, on the app, when I saw the highlights of the electric slide, it was hard for me not to watch Rashad Coward. Because he, big man, 69, he just got done playing his first game at guards, and he's kind of front and center in that video. You know, going, you know, this is exactly why he could never go. I mean, he's a good, he's a good dancer up there for the big man. Yeah, he definitely held it down. Right. <laughs> Did it feel like an exercise class, as we've talked about on this show before? Yeah, you, used I'll, the I'll tell you the truth, I wasn't in the lecture slide. Oh, okay. I didn't know if I could keep up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Matt, what you just said how hard it is. He wants you guys to enjoy the journey of getting a win. And there's that's not the only thing they do here to celebrate it. You know, it's it's the messages throughout the building. There are video screens, large ones, that are in your face on the operation side of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, quotes from Matt summarizing the game. All your highlights are all over the building from the game. Um, you got the walkway. You walk in. You got the numbers of the greats on the board. You know, it feels like you're going to a nightclub almost, mm-hmm. and it's first thing in the morning. You know, it's waking you up, making you aware of, of the, the history here. Uh, you got the Sweeping the Sheds Award, mm-hmm. you know, after wins. Is that is this unlike anything you've ever been around that celebrates victories? It's definitely like anything I've never been around. Even when it comes to tradition around here, you see, like, everything that's been built before us. And, um... I think they do a good job here just reminding you of what it took to get that win and uh, just not becoming complacent because sometimes you can have those days where you're tired or, you know, you're you're a little bit sore. But um, just to be reminded as you're just walking into the building to your locker of what it took the week before, I think is – is very powerful. Have you played the Raiders very much in your career? Because, you know, when you play a team that you're not very familiar with and you talk about the preparation that goes into it, you know, now you're going to get ready for an opponent within a traveling week that, again, a lot of us don't see very much. What about you? Have you played the Raiders? And what about playing against an opponent you're not familiar with? Does it take extra time to study or get familiar with? I played the Raiders I think four or five times. I you played have. him a lot. Okay. And uh, one of the times we played him, CP was one of the receivers, and he scored on the jet sweep. Cordell Patterson, right. yeah. 50 yards out. But um, one thing about this Raiders team on offense, I think they have like five rookies. So even if you have played them, there's a lot of new guys in, on that roster. So um, definitely got to be prepared. Can't take anybody for granted. They still got that fly sleep in the in – the, uh, in the in the scheme, because yeah. uh, Trevor Davis, the right. former Packer, took 160 yards. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're having to deal with trying to tackle that guy, Cordell Patterson, mm-hmm. on a fly sweep, tell me about it. Because if I'm tackling Cordell, I'm definitely going for his legs. He's like yeah. a big horse. <laughs> or I'm gonna go for the ball, you know, to try to slow him down. But uh, I'm just glad we're teammates now. Put it that way. Yeah. He does a lot, you know. I mean, you know, as much as uh, how well he did when he runs the ball, he runs it out of the backfield, catches passes. That one uh, tackle he made on the punt team, because he does so much, he shows up in so many different areas. But the change in the field position when he had that tackle, I think maybe for a one yard loss, and then uh, Minnesota ended up going three and out after that. That's that's a huge, um, you know, you know, a huge job completion that he did on that. Yeah, uh, Cordell, one thing about him, I mean, he's a true team player. And uh, somebody of his status, like one of the best kick returners of all time, you know, that's all they want to do is do kick returns. 
but you know he's willing to do whatever it takes for us to get a win and uh just to see him out there on punt making tackles and you know being genuinely happy about it and uh, doing whatever he needs to do for the team that's just have you ever thing. been a flyer on a punt team because you're, you're a good athlete you're yeah. a tackler um my my third year in cleveland so I, me and taze played together in cleveland and I was always a gunner right. until my third year. Even when I was a starter, he still had me out there gunning. Chris Tabor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but one thing Tabor believes in is you're young, you're going to play. And, uh, I mean, I, I enjoy doing it. It's definitely a competitive position, and it helps with field position. Right. And gunners are hard to find. Yep. Oh, and the Bears have a great one. And um, uh, Sherrick McManus being uh, inactive for two weeks, I can't imagine how hard that was for him. Mm-hmm. But – comes back out there and does a great job last week. Really important, yes. really important tackles in the punt game. Yeah, Sherry, I mean, he's always been a true professional. I mean, the first guy I met when I was here was Sherry. And uh, I remember they saying, oh, yeah, he's one of the older DBs. But the way he was working was like he was a young guy. So uh, just see him go out there and have success after being sat down for two weeks uh, just shows what type of guy he is. Will you explain just what the impact is to you and the rest of your teammates about what happened last week in terms of needed guys to step up? They don't not only stepped in, they flourished. Because I think people get worried when you see, okay, that inactive list was a star-studded inactive list. I mean, it was like, wow, it's got to be a misprint, right? Mm -hmm. And these guys come in and just killed it. Yeah, I mean, everybody that stepped up last week, I mean, they play, you know, better than some of the starters. And it, it just shows how how well the coaches coach around here. And uh, to see that there was no major drop-off in any areas. I mean, even – I mean, Chase did an awesome job. I mean, he's a quarterback. And a lot of times you lose your quarterback, you can't even move the ball. But just seeing all the guys step up and just showing how well, you know, they get coached around here was pretty cool. What about, you know, for you, you cut, you have a team that's coming in, they were 197 yards rushing a game, 186 yards passing a game. Do you think, wow, I'm going to be on the sideline a lot today because they're going to probably play personnel groupings that maybe not include you? Or, you know, how do you prepare yourself for a team coming in with that reputation? Um, going into that game, that was their, you know, their goal, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And they did try it in the first half. Right. I barely played in the first half. Like, I was getting in every now and then. But uh, our front seven did such a great job of stopping them. In the second half, I was in almost every play. So, I mean, our team's up for a challenge. Chuck talked about it all week. That was the first thing, stop the run. Were you in on that first down sack of the second half? Because it surprised me, but after you go and you make a halftime adjustment, that's the play you come out of the mm-hmm. the locker room with. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, Chuck always talks about be great in the first five, five and last five of each quarter. Hmm, and uh, uh, each half, actually. And uh, that's what Khalil did. Like, he started fast, got the ball, and things that are being preached in the building are carrying over to the field. Right. Yeah, you had a couple 60-snap games already and a couple in the 30s. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's going to be a – that's going to be the, the kind of – the Raiders are going to – they're going to want to try to run the ball, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, definitely going to try to run the ball. Got a good rookie at uh, running back. Josh Jacobs. But um, I feel like we go in there and we control the game. That's one thing we do. Like we go in there, control the game, and they have to, you know, adjust off of us. Buster Screen, our guest here on Bears All Access. Let's take a break on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Join Bears Care and Advocate Healthcare in raising funds for programs supporting Chicago-area breast cancer patients and their families. Purchase your real Bears fans. Wear pink shirt at chicagobears.com slash pink. One of the uh, 
big initiatives throughout the National Football League and one the Bears have embraced for a very long time. I got a lot of those uh, pink shirts over the years, as you do, Tom, as well. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's a it's a great cause. It Pick is. one up and uh, represent. It's it's uh, it's so important, obviously. Back on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy with Buster Screen. Our guest, Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, with you as the Bears fly off tonight to London to take on the Oakland Raiders, who left after their game and their win of the Colts and flew 15 hours. I'm told 15 hours, as a they had to make some stops along the way, but. They went and well, they pick up some people from <laughs> Indianapolis to London. <laughs> that was the flight. That was what we I read. Anyway, they're route. on a stretch of being away, I believe, for 47 straight days. Jeez. Think about that. Yep, that's a tough. That's some tough duty. What would that do to you as a player? You know, I mean, if you in, in those stretches, you do get a chance to go home, but it's always, I think, the responsibility of the organization to make sure that you're getting enough time to get rest in because the worst thing you want to do is have a lethargic football team for 50 days in a row. That leads to a lot of losses and a lot of injuries and such. But, you know, I think everybody has an under, uh, organized itinerary of that length to be ready and know yeah, how Yeah, but, you know, it's, you know, you have a team like that, you it's one like, okay, at some point they're going to feel it. You know, when you get those moments, you got them on the ropes, boom, deliver the knockout punch, right, Buster? Um, yeah, I mean, you're on the road all the time. It's definitely hard. And uh, I do think, like, you're coaching on how he controls practice, uh, mm-hmm. what workloads you put on your guys, regardless of whether you're winning or losing. Some coaches believe, like, if you're losing, we need to up, you know, the tempo, up the plays, things like that. So I, I think that definitely – like falls back on the leader of your w- team. Was Gruden a head coach in the NFL the, when you came into the NFL? Um, Gruden, when I came into the NFL, I think he was coaching at Tampa. Was he? Because yeah. you know, that's another thing is, like, you talk about how often you play the Raiders. Playing a John Gruden team is kind of a unique experience, too, because he is a long-winded terminology on the offensive side of the ball, moves players around a lot, and tries to take advantage of – if if he thinks there's a vulnerability in the defense, uh, you know, I, I just seen if you ever had to face all the window dressing that he does and all the pre-snap movement. That's I think he does stick to his game plan. I think they will try to run the ball. But uh, it, it is emphasized he will go with, you know, areas he thinks he can, you know, exploit. So, so you're a nickel, and they have a tight end that's doing really well right now, Waller, number mm-hmm. 83. Is the tight end ever a concern for you in preparation for the opponent, or is there is it always the, you know, the fourth wide, third or fourth wide receiver, or even a running back on the line of scrimmage? Well, um, my whole career, um, since playing nickel, I've guarded Antonio Gates, uh, Graham. I can guard all those dudes, and those are some big guys. <laughs> so <laughs> I know if they go. Did you 12, ever line up against Gronk? Yeah, yeah. I should have had a pick on Gronk. He ran out out quick them to the ball and drop the interception. So, I mean, there's a different way you have to play these guys. You can't let them get their hands on you to throw you. But uh, I think with the experience, like, I've I've done a good job. This so. guy's 6'6 six, six and a huge wingspan. And, you know, he's he uh, has really started off really strong. So, mm-hmm. when a guy – how do you deal with a guy with that kind of length to him in terms of especially wingspan? One thing to be tall, mm-hmm. one thing to have long arms and, and right. that wingspan. Uh, you just have to, for me, I have to outquick him, use my technique, uh, just know his route tree, things like that. But uh, definitely can't get in, you know, a wrestling match with him on the field because that probably won't work. <laughs> so are, is it always the flight, when you're playing against a big receiver from the size of Gronk to this guy next weekend, um, is it 
are you playing the football or are you playing the, playing the person? You know, because, I mean, if you can play the football and get to it before the tight end, obviously that's what you want to do. So what, what are two elements of the play are you playing? So if I can get to the ball, I put my hands on the ball. But a lot of times those bigger guys, I got to attack their arm. So, uh, so I don't get a P.I. Like I have to chop at the right time. But um, I'll go into the game and I just feel like he has to fill me out. You know, I'm the older guy. Right. Fill me out when we get out there, and let's see what happens. I tell you what, you know what sticks out to me watching you? You you don't ever do anything uh, without. I don't know how the word. You're just a very physical player. So when you tackle, they feel you. I yeah. mean, do they ever <laughs> like pop up and look around and say, "Who hit me?" Uh, Does it ever Quinn happen? On the Redskins, and he said, "Say again, Quinn." Oh, okay. Trey Quinn, yeah, slot the, receiver. The first thing he says is like, "Man, I didn't know this was WWE." <laughs> <laughs> but I've always felt like if you're gonna hit somebody, make them feel it. Like, don't just lay them down, or just be happy with the tackle. Like, it's a physical sport. You want them to know you're coming. So next time he does catch the ball, maybe he, you know, drops down or you know, closes his eyes. Hmm. Well, I, you know, that's kind of the. The, the sad thing, well, not the sad thing, the protective thing for offensive players from defensive backs because before you could have that anticipation of getting hit in the middle on some type of route mm -hmm. and it affects them maybe two or three catches down the road. It's kind of an element that's been taken away from defensive backs because of protecting the football players. Yeah, it, I feel like it's an element that's been taken away, but a lot of times a lot of stuff is just off reaction. Right. I mean, it's bang, bang. So if a guy does get hit across the middle, like it was an accident. Well, all right, Vontez, perfect reaction or purpose? I think it could have been a reaction because the guy was falling down, right. but the way he left the field, you can't do that. Right. Like you got to have some type of respect Get for blown the kisses to the, yeah. to the stands as you're leaving, yeah. See, now as a player who's been around a long time and the dangers of the game and what, what is trying to be uh, officiated out of the game, for the benefit of all, all you guys, that that at some and, and I'm not we're not asking you to bang on perfect, but there has to be some respect, right? You know, for each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be a bad badass hitter and and do your job and still not you know try and send somebody uh, to the sidelines. So does that does that offend you a little bit when a guy does that? Yeah, just because I mean, as a player, like I've been fine. I hit Deshaun Jackson and got fined forty eight thousand, but they you know drop the fine down but as a player we're already going through enough you know hassle of paying these fines for hits on accident and then when you make it like a gladiator show then well, they're, they're gonna you know be hard on us i think there's more disrespect in the hit by the offensive lineman hitting the db crossing the goal line in the tampa bay game than there is in the perfect hit i think perfect you know he just you know was hitting a, a player that was not unavoidable, but you couldn't anticipate exactly where his body was going to be from what going to the what ground. What happened in the game for the guy? People don't know. So the Tampa the Tampa was playing the Rams. The Rams defensive back got an interception as he was following his um, blockers into the end zone. He got right to the goal line, man. He was right there to the point where the ball was in front of him. It was going to be a touchdown. But an offensive lineman came in a lateral pursuit who's six, six and a half, three hundred and forty 340 pounds, and what the defensive back, being unable to protect himself, launched himself right into the side of the head. Head frame, you know, helmet to helmet, just an abusive hit. I take, I take more offensive against that hit on a defenseless player than the perfect hit. Was that flagged? 
Um, I don't think it was flagged. And, uh, you know, but I guarantee you the player will be fined a significant amount of money because it's been played a lot. And if you haven't seen it, go look it up. You can see it. To me, that there was more of a player in danger of getting hurt severely on that hit than it was on the perfect hit. That's top there. We're with Buster Screen. One more segment to go. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Be sure to stop by the Miller Lite Ultimate Tailgate before the next Bears home game on October 20th. The tailgate opens at 1 p.m. through one hour postgame and is located at the Field Museum. Ultimate Tailgate free for fans of all ages and a great place to stop for food and drinks before heading into the game. Buster Screen, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Uh, back to the London trip, I believe in the 2015 journey you went on, uh, you you did or did not, I, I can't recall, but I thought I read where you had special tinted glasses that you were given or that were recommended to you guys to deal with sleeping on the plane or I don't know what, but did you use those and were they effective? We had special tinted glasses. I didn't use them. We also had this thing, this little light you had to look into. I think it made you it made you tired, like it played a mind trick with you. While you're on the plane or after you got into London? While we're on the plane and in your hotel room. So I actually tried that. I don't think it worked. Yeah. Man, these are, these are some things. I mean, we need to we need to well, get well, get with know, it technologically, Tom. Every every year there's some you know new thought um, way of getting players to sleep better. You know, from whether you stay overnight after a preseason game that ends late at night, which we have done before the Bears, or you know, bring making the building darker longer when you're in the building to give you a sense of the time of change. So there's been all these kind of freaky issues that have been suggested to make people sleep that don't work. I know you're not playing, but you are working. So are you concerned about your own no. sleep levels? For, <laughs> not uh, at all. Because you don't sleep here. What I know, you but you're going to sleep there. I, I don't think I'm going to in, in every oh, time of, of traveling. Buster, you got to help the guy no, out. No, and, and all these trips, I've had really bad jet lag. We're to the point where you're really tired during the day, then you're up all night, and there's nothing you can do about it because you're so awake. So. He always tells me, I go, I, every game, pre, do you sleep last night? He goes, heck no. I was staring at the ceiling at 2 a.m. and never went back to sleep. And and I'm similar. I mean, we, right. we, we're sleeper. overthinking things. We're not, you know, we got too much worry. Hey, I would time. love to. I envy those, you know, you walk on the plane, you see those guys, they sit down and five minutes later, they're <laughs> dead asleep. You know, when I when I was, uh, the plane's bigger now, but we used to, Tom and I used to, have, you know, sit next to each other. We, we do sit next to each other, but he, he always, if I fall asleep, he'd be bored, so he'd be, you know, putting stuff in my ear, waking me up. You know, now he whistles. You know, it's very annoying to be a partner with this guy, but I love him. Who do you sit with on the plane, Buster? Dion Bush. Is he a good seatmate? Yeah, he just starts watching movies. We both are movie guys. So right. We watch. So movies. you got to load up we, for this one. Yeah, we never finish the movie though. I will say that. Like we turn the movie on, and we're one of those guys that's gone. Like what about time. after the game? Are you on your iPad watching tape of the game, or are you watching movies? Movie again. Really? Yeah, I'm a big movie guy. <laughs> you don't want to dive into the tape right away? Wait till Monday morning? I'll wait till Monday. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do do you, uh, it, it, because you brought up two specific plays in your career, one, the Denver, the penalty that allowed for the two-point conversion, and you brought up another play. Do you never forget those plays? And the plays you do make that are great, do you not talk about them as much as a player because a lot of he'll always remember his bad ones. He won't remember the good ones. You don't want to talk about the good ones. You don't want any credit. What do you like? 
uh, I mean, you you learn from bad plays, and you know, you boost your confidence with good plays. But one thing I have learned about the NFL is about consistency. So be consistent, but make sure you're out there making plays. Because I've seen some guys last longer in the league that make plays, but they're not as, you know, I would say conservative. Whereas the conservative guy, he might not make it past year five or six because he's not making any plays. Well, Well, you said you remember the time that you almost got an interception on Gronkowski. Do you remember all your dropped interceptions? Ones that you 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 got to have. You know, there's ones that are difficult. You know you're not going to catch ten times out of ten. But the ones you're supposed to have, do you remember? Because I, I can remember sacks, uh-huh. and I can tell you when they happened in the game, what part, what game of the year and all that. you remember interceptions? I definitely remember drop interceptions. I had two drop interceptions that game because Philip Dursett ran a post in the slot, and it popped off my hand, hit me in the helmet. I had a third chance to catch it, dove, and hit the ground. All the wind knocked out of my stomach, but I was so mad. <laughs> so, after after the penalty in Denver, uh-huh. did you go right up to Eddie Pinero and give him a big hug after making the kick, Man, or was it still I, hard to get over? I I went and thanked him in the locker room. I put a picture of him up on my Instagram. <laughs> did everything. Like I felt so. You know, I'm the new guy on the team. So like, who's this new guy jumping offside <laughs> with the game on the line? So when we were going for the two point conversion, I'm in the huddle telling everybody, "Let's hold up, let's make sure we hold up, we can win the game." And Emmanuel scored, so I felt you know terrible. But uh, just to win that game, I think it did something for Eddie and our team. So yeah, I'm kind of so glad I, agree. I hopped offside. I mean, there's fortunate <laughs> win, right? right. That, I mean, you earn your wins, but that was a fortunate win. It's crazy too because coach. The Saints played the Texans. You know, the guy played off. Saints went down and scored that touchdown. He played that throughout the week. Talked about it numerous times. All you need is one ball or one second in the ball. And uh, And that's what we had. So when a coach does say that and lay that out for you and it actually happens, it's like, do you listen to everything the man says now? Because I, I feel like here everybody listens to what Nagy says. And Chuck, all the guys, like, other teams, you might have a guy, he goes in that meeting room and is trying to figure out a way to, you know, hack his iPad to get on the Internet. <laughs> but here, people listen. Really right? interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and does that also lead to a tighter team? Like, this is a very – it's family, right? Mm-hmm. It's a family team. And there's crazy stuff going on with injuries and whatnot. How are you guys coming together in that regard? Um, Looking out after each other. Team is definitely tight. But one thing I can say about – being on this team, nobody talks about, like, money and getting the big contract. Everybody here talks about Super Bowl. That's the difference. Like, the, the leaders of this team, that's all they talk about, Super Bowl. Even guys that are on their contract year, they talk about Super Bowl over, you know, money. Whereas on other teams, it's like, oh, I'm about to get paid. And it's just about them. It's about the whole team. Is this the first time you've been on a team good enough to actually have that conversation and mean it? Because I've been on teams that you talk about it, that they're not good enough to even have that conversation, but then there's teams that are this good to actually have the conversation and it be real. Yeah, so this is definitely the first time I've been on. And uh, you you know how it is. You've been on winning teams, losing teams, and you know what guys like walk the same footsteps of the things they say. And uh, I've been on teams that we lost a lot of games, and there's that one guy that went to the Super Bowl, and he's trying to preach the message. But it takes, like, a collective group of people to believe and not just one. 
That's great to hear. I think fans will appreciate that because that's coming. I mean, you're a very honest guy, so, you know, you're not going to be uh, painting a picture that's not real. So we appreciate that. Appreciate you being on. Thanks Have a great having. flight tonight. We'll see you in London. And uh, if you see any sites that we should see, you know, give us a little itinerary. The Buster Screen itinerary. I know one thing. He'll be up at 6.30 in the morning working out. That's what he does every day. He's like Gruden gets up at, what, 4.03 a.m. or something like that every day. This one right here, as long as he's been doing his uh, athletic life and getting up at 6.30 in the morning. Thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Buster Screen, Chicago Bears, nickel defender, outstanding player. Good to have him with us. For Paul Zerang, Dan Barilli, and everybody at the score, thanks for listening, everybody. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. We'll talk to you next time on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.